All right, open your Bibles with me to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 2. We're having such a good time going through this book of the Bible. We're learning so much about what God has planned for Israel and, by extension, for us. Zechariah chapter 2, look at verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah and his portion in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Dear Heavenly Father, this is such an amazing passage of Scripture. And Lord, um, there's no way that we could do it justice today. So Lord, I pray that the, that the points that we're going to bring out, the cross-references that we're going to use, Lord, I pray that uh, you will instruct us through your word, that you will be brought glory. And Lord, that we will leave here with a greater desire to bring praise and joy worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice, look at verse 10. This is the message. Sing and rejoice. Sing and rejoice. I thought, I had thought about coming up here during the singing and just watching you to see if you were singing and rejoicing. Now, I know that sometimes life gets in the way of singing. Uh, this morning... I was, I was in um, Los Angeles, I was out in California, Lancaster, California this week, and I flew out Tuesday, I went out to Donnie Brown's graduation, he finished up, isn't that a blessing? We're going to be giving you some information, I, I want you to have his address so that you can send him cards and money and all kinds of things like that. I, I, I sent a, when I graduated, I sent an invitation, and uh, this friend of mine said, I got your request for money. <laughs> um, but I, so I, I flew out there on Tuesday. I spoke at a Christian school while I was there, a large Christian school, 1,300 students, and had a blast with those kids. I'll, I'll tell you about some of that in a minute when we get through the text. But uh, so I, I worked, it was about a 13-hour trip home, so I worked on the plane and used my iPad. Well, so I had most of my work done for this morning before I, I got back. Well, this morning I was trying to get it from my iPad onto my computer so that I could format it in an outline. And let me just say this. I was not singing and rejoicing while that was going on. So, sometimes I wonder how Pastor Nathan can worship at all after he's put up with me before a, a morning service. Um, and, you know, it was funny, and I told Laura this. I, 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 my head's about to explode, and now I've got to go preach about singing and rejoicing. It, it is interesting how life can get in the way of our singing and rejoicing. Isn't that right? You know, you're, you're working along and you hit your thumb with the hammer and you're thinking, joy unspeakable and full of glory. No, that's not what you're thinking at that moment. I can't really say what you're thinking at that moment, especially in church. This passage, it gives us some things that we are to sing and rejoice about. And James Knox in his commentary, let me read you something that he said. 
when the Holy Ghost or when the Holy God is the center of the assembly of his people and when the Holy Ghost is ruling in their hearts, then will they sing? Oh, how they will sing. They will rejoice with unbounded, genuine, heartfelt happiness. All the folly of this Laodicean age would banish, being unnecessary. Were God given His proper place in the lives and churches of those who claim to be His own? I want you to think about this. Is God genuinely the center of your life? Do you rejoice? Do you sing to the Lord? Do you do that? And it's interesting. I know that there are people who don't like to sing in front of people. And now, honestly, there are some of us who really shouldn't sing in front of people. But we ought to sing with God's people. Amen? Uh, I, I watch my son Jacob. And when we're all singing, he's like this. We, we tell him he has to sing or we'll beat him, you know, put cigarettes out on him or something. And so... He, okay, that's a joke, if you're not sure. I don't smoke, it's a cigar. Um, so I watch him, and it looks like he's just, he's just mouthing. It, you know, what, what we all ought to get is that the singing to the Lord, it's not for us, it's for Him. And when we're focused, the reason, uh, and, and I get... I, I could talk in front of anybody. When I sing in front of people, I get really nervous, really nervous. And the thought that I'm supposed to have is it's not about me. It's not, how are people going to think about me when I sing? Are they going to think I'm wonderful? That's sick, isn't it? When we sing and rejoice, it's about God. And so now in this text, we're going to see some things that God is telling Israel, remember, they've just come out of bondage. They are now free, but they're not really experiencing their freedom. They really need to continue in what God has started. That's what they're supposed to be doing. So now let's look at this text. Let's look at it in the context of God speaking to his people. And then in the context of us, how we are supposed to respond to the Lord. So look at verse 10. The first thing that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to rejoice at his coming. We're supposed to rejoice at His coming. Look at verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come. For lo, I come. Why are we supposed to sing and rejoice? How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back? Amen. Then sing and rejoice. Sing and rejoice. Listen to what Paul said. He said, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? What's our joy that we've led other people to Christ and he's coming back, right? That's our joy. That's our hope. That's our crown of rejoicing. Are you happy today? The Lord is coming back. Sing and rejoice. Let's look at some cross references to this. Go to Isaiah. I'm sorry. Psalms chapter 40. 40th Psalm. Look at verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. So here we have a psalm of David. But this is obviously not David. This is a messianic psalm. This is speaking about Jesus Christ. He's coming. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. 
Now, just as an aside, and maybe we can study this out sometime, in what book? That's not written anywhere. It's written later on in Hebrews. But where was it written of him? It's interesting. All right, so now, don't you love it when I ask questions and don't give the answers? So what is the context of this? If we look at verse 7, then, all right, so that means something happened before that, right? So let's look at verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So, now, there are many applications. How many of you are glad that Jesus Christ raised you up out of the pit and set your feet on the rock? Praise the Lord, I'm saved. But remember what this is talking about. This is David, and the context here is Israel. And so what is he going to do? Jesus Christ is going to raise them up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. In Daniel chapter 2, we see the image of that of that. that, that it's giant image that describes the nations and you have the, the iron mixed with miry clay and this revived Roman Empire that's coming during the tribulation period and what's established there. And God raises them up out of the miry clay and sets their feet on the rock. That's awesome. And look at what happens. Look at what happens in Israel when God does that for them. Look at the next verse. Remember what our text is. Sing and rejoice. Is that right? In in Zechariah? Look at verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. And we're going to see this through our text. But listen to what happens when God lifts somebody out of the pit and puts a new song in their hearts. Look at what happens in verse 3 when that happens. First of all, it scares our old friends. It scares our old friends. Look at verse 3. He has put a new song in my, ho- my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear. And fear. How many of you, when you got saved, it just freaked people out? Right? How many of you got saved and nobody cared? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. When, when Christians see people saved, hey, that's great. Awesome. Good for you, buddy. And you go on to your life. We need to understand that's a new child of God. That's a new brother or sister in Christ. That's fantastic. Some of us are like Lydia. When Jacob was born, her brother, she was, what, 16, 17 months old? 19 months old. And so we brought Jacob home, and he was wrapped up. And I know some of you have heard this. Some of you haven't. But Laura put him on the couch, got him back in the corner of the couch. And first day that he's home. Lydia didn't like this at all because she likes to be the center of attention. And so she walked over to the couch and she points at Jacob and then she points to the trash can. And she says, trash, trash. Is that awesome? And here's the, here's the amazing thing. She has never changed that opinion of her brother. How do we respond to brothers and sisters in Christ being brought into the world? Are we excited about that? Do we love them? Because I'll tell you what, when the world sees us get saved, they are not excited about that. They fear. They don't know what to make of it. They don't have any idea what to do. Uh, 
Things happen around us when people get saved. That's the first thing that happens. Then secondly, when a, when a person gets saved, they praise God publicly. Look at what it says. And he has put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Praise. Many shall see it. Man, when you genuinely get saved, you're not ashamed of that. You're not ashamed. The Bible says that if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. When you get saved, you're excited about it. When I was in college, um, you could always tell when a girl got engaged because she walked around like this. You know, and, and you could see it. She'd walk up to her friends like this, and all of her friends are screaming and squealing, and all the guys are saying, well, another good man bit the dust. <laughs> it's just sad morning. Um, this is so important for us to see. When a person is genuinely born again, there's an excitement. You want to tell somebody about it. It's, it's an exciting thing. And then thirdly, the third thing that happens is they bring other people to Christ. Look at what it says at the end of verse 3. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. You see, the best witness for Christ is not the preacher, although preaching brings people to Christ. The best witness for Christ is a changed life and a bold and excited singing and rejoicing and praising the Lord. That's what we are to be excited about. About praise the Lord for that. Now, let's look at the the, let's just read this on a little bit more. Look at verse four. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Do you know that disrespect can be good? Do you know that we're not supposed to respect people that are proud and that turn away people from the truth with their lies? We're not supposed to give them respect. Amen? False teachers do not deserve our respect. We don't respect them. What does it say? Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. We don't respect those people. Um, Isn't it funny? I don't know if any of you watch the hearings, you know, in Congress and what... and, and. What they'll say is, with all due respect, and what that means is, you're an idiot. Isn't it? With all due respect, you're about to show them disrespect. That's, that's what's going on in that situation. I'm not saying we're supposed to be ugly or mean to people, but these, these scientists who teach our children that they come from monkeys, we're not supposed to respect them. Amen? They're, those are lies. A preacher that teaches some way to Christ other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't respect that person. They're a liar. We don't respect them. Okay, now let's go on. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Isn't that a great God who loves us that much? Here it's talking about how much He loves the nation of Israel. Then look at what it says in verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. What is that talking about? God was never interested in sacrifice. He would have rather had holiness. Amen? 
That sacrifice had to happen because of the sin. But he'd rather have a holy people. That's why he sent his son. Look at the next verse. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's make sure that we understand this. Hebrews chapter 10. Sing and rejoice for the coming of the Lord. Uh, Let's get this. In Zechariah, they're singing and rejoicing for the coming of the Lord because He was coming the first time. Their Messiah was coming. Their King. He was coming. He is going to come into the land. He's going to dwell among His people. Right? Isn't that what John 1? Let's look at it. Keep your place in Hebrews. Go to John 1. (laughs) The ADD preacher. John 1. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh, and what? Dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ came and dwelt among them. So that's the partial fulfillment of Zechariah Zechariah chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Remember, that's what we saw in the book of Psalms. But now look at what's put in here. Look at what the Holy Spirit has inserted. But a body hast thou prepared me. Those sacrifices, he wasn't interested in those sacrifices. He loves his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Lo, I come. Thou hast prepared for me a body. Then look at what it says. A body hast thou prepared me. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Jesus Christ came. He came. He came the first time to die. He's coming back the second time to rule and to reign. So why should we praise God? Why should we sing and rejoice? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. You look around this world, and it is a mess. All the news this week, we have Benghazi. We have the AP, them them, uh, illegally obtaining the records. And we have uh, the IRS uh, targeting people that are conservatives or Christians or Jewish groups. They're they're targeting those things. How many of you think that all that's a mess? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He is coming back. And look, the righteous judge is coming back to set all that right. He's going to correct it all. Let's be on the side of right. Let's be on the side of right. You know, it's interesting to me. Can I do a parenthesis right here? This is, and now we have political commentary from Jim Alter. Um, Richard Nixon, that name, it's just a, a, a step uh, quite not as bad, not quite as bad. I'll speak English part of the time. Um, not quite as bad as Hitler. You know, Richard Nixon, horrible, right? In every, in every school textbook, Richard Nixon is the epitome of an evil man in office. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. He didn't do anything that our current president hasn't done. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Now, if you're a Democrat here, 
Sorry. Now, I've told you, if you haven't heard me say this, George Bush cured me of being a Republican, okay? It's all a mess. It's all a mess. But I'm just saying the lies that are being told right now and the, the, the way that people don't care about it. Our nation is in real trouble. We need to get back to the truth, Amen. to where the truth really does matter. Close parenthesis. Back to our sermon. <laughs> now back to our regularly scheduled program. So now, we're going to sing and rejoice because Jesus Christ is coming back. Praise the Lord. I wonder if you've thought about that today, that Jesus could come today. That Jesus could come today. That's our hope. That's our joy. Um, all right, so now, let's go back to Zechariah chapter 2. Sing and rejoice for His coming. And then... Sing and rejoice for His presence. Look at what it says in verse 10. I want you to notice the ands. A and D. The ands. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. So why are we supposed to sing and rejoice? For the coming of the Lord and because He's going to dwell with us. You see, the blessing of God is His presence. The blessing of God is His presence. Uh, all the way back at the beginning. Remember the law of first mention. What's the first understanding of the presence of God with men? Jesus Christ came to walk with them in the cool of the day. All the way back in the Garden of Eden. What's the Bible say? And the voice of God came in the cool of the day. Who's the voice of God? Jesus. So Jesus Christ, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The voice, the Word. That's Jesus. Jesus comes to walk with... The, hear that snort right there? That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> Jesus comes to walk with them in the cool of the day. That's the presence of God. That's the, that's the sign and the mark of the blessing of God. What was the sign of the removal of that blessing? They got out of the garden. He didn't come and walk with them in the cool of the day. Sin had separated them from God. So what did God do? He created the tabernacle. And He created the temple. And the presence of God would be with them. What happened before that? Well, you had the, the pillar of, young people, help me, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. I said it backwards. One of the teenagers came and asked me, can you show me in the Bible where um, it's the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of cloud by night, whatever it was, I said. And so I hit him. Um, <laughs> so what was that? That was the sign of God's presence and his blessing. Look at Exodus chapter 33. Are you thankful for the presence of God? Amen. Exodus chapter 33, look at verse 14. So now remember what's happened. Moses has come down off of the mount. He's received the law and he sees sin in the camp. And here's what God says to him. Verse 14, and he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. This is what he's saying to Moses. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall people be separated. 
and I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. That presence of God, it's, a, it's the mark and the sign of our separation from the world. God does not want to be with sin. He wants to be with holiness. And that presence of God is a sign of the blessing of God. And you know what I love? The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus Christ is here with us. But what's the context of that verse? Church discipline. It's the idea of where there's someone who is bringing reproach to the name of Christ who's in the church. You give them an opportunity to repent and get it right. But if they will not do that, you separate them from the church. You expel them from the church. When you do that, that's demonstrating your respect, your love, your separation from the world and separation to God. And he says, there I am in the midst of you. The presence of God. It's the mark of the blessing of God. We can sing and rejoice because God's here. Aren't you glad the Lord's here with us? I'm not going to take the time to go there, but in... Um, hold on. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the Bible describes the mystery of the seven uh, stars and the seven golden candlesticks. Uh, the seven stars are the seven churches... And, or, or, and the seven candle, or the, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. In chapter two and verse one of Revelation, he says he's walking up, he's walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Jesus Christ, the blessing of a holy church, is Jesus Christ in the midst of them. Isn't that wonderful? Sing and rejoice! Jesus is here. Sing and rejoice for His presence. Do you want to get people to sing? Do you want to get people to be excited? Sing this, Santa Claus is coming to town. Look, we ought to get a whole lot more excited about Jesus Christ being here in our midst and in our presence. Um, then, sing and rejoice. Go back to Exodus or Ze Zechariah, somewhere in the Bible. Zechariah, look at verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come... Uh, and will dwell in the midst of thee. Then look at this. Saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. Rejoice for the word of God. The only way that we could know any of this is because he gave us his word. Sing and rejoice because you have a Bible. You have an authority. You have divine revelation from God. What an awesome thing. Then sing and rejoice. Look what it says. Verse 10 or verse 11. For his mercy. Sing and rejoice for his mercy. Verse 11. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. When is this going to happen? In that day. In that day. In what day? Look at verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations. After the glory. After the glory. That's the defining time. When is this going to happen? Look at Matthew chapter 24. God's timetable. Matthew 24 and verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and what? Great glory. 
with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heaven to the other. He's gathering his people together. When? After the glory. Look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come, what's it say? In His glory. And all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. After the glory, this is going to happen. After the glory, all of these nations will be gathered together. Go back to Zechariah. Look at chapter 12, verse 10. He's coming in glory. Everyone will see Him come. Verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. All are going to see him. All of these nations that are gathered together. They're going to see him. Look at Jeremiah chapter 51. Jeremiah 51. Look at verse 20. It's funny. God calls the children of Israel the apple of his eye. Isn't that right? Now look at what he calls them. First, Zechariah, Jeremiah 51, 20. Thou art my battle axe. This is kind of like marriage. She begins as the apple of your eye and she becomes your battle axe. Look at verse 20. Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war, for with thee will I break in pieces the what? The nations. And with thee will I destroy kingdoms. Jesus Christ, after the glory, after He's revealed in His glory, He returns. He gathers the nations to battle. He gathers them together. They are His guests. We're going to see that in a minute. Rejoice. Rejoice. He's gathering the nations together. Before they worship Him, they're going to worship Him. But what happens before that? What happens? Go to Zephaniah. It's just two books before you. We're in Zechariah. Right before Zechariah is Haggai. Right before that is Zephaniah. Chapter 1, verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. Everybody there? Zephaniah 1, verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, look at what it says, and hath bid his guests. Who are the guests? There's, these are these nations. Who's the sacrifice? They are. He's going to crush these nations. When? After the glory. After the glory. So he comes and he establishes his kingdom. And we sing and praise the Lord for his mercy. Why? Because look at Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Look at what God's going to do. Verse 1. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So who does, this, who does this prophecy concern? Judah and Jerusalem. Let's all say that. Who does it concern? All right. And it shall come to pass in when? 
the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it, shall flow unto it. Now, I want you to understand what's going to happen. God is going to set up His kingdom on Mount Zion. And He's going to set up His throne there. And He's going to lift up Mount Zion higher than all the other mountains. How tall is, how tall is Mount Everest? 30,000 feet? Something like that? Crazy high? He's going to lift up Mount Zion. And all the nations will flow unto it. You talk about going up to the city of the Lord. Think about that. Think about that. Now, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And look at what it says. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And look at this. And he will teach us of his ways. Can you imagine going and sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's going to teach you? Who is he teaching? These other nations. Not only Israel, he's gathered his people, but he's now going to gather the other nations. And look at what happens. Verse, middle of verse 3, And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more." See, the, the peace movement of the 1960s, they love to sing that song, there's not going to be any war anymore. But they wanted peace without the Prince of Peace. What is the key to peace? There will never be peace in the world until there's peace in Jerusalem. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But look at His mercy. He's gathering these nations to worship Him. Who are these nations? These are the sheep and goat nations. Remember? In, we read it in Matthew chapter 25. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. These nations who have come against His people, the nations that have persecuted His people, they go immediately to hell. Those nations that have helped His people, they come into the kingdom and they are able to learn righteousness. How wonderful is that? Now, well, go back to Zechariah chapter 2. Let's finish this up. Sing and rejoice. Sing and rejoice. Sing first of all for His coming. Sing secondly for His presence. Sing thirdly for His word. Sing fourthly for His mercy. And then number five, sing and rejoice for the Trinity. For the Trinity. Look at verse 11. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. So the Lord is going to dwell in the midst of them. But the Lord sent the Lord. Jehovah God is sending Jehovah the Son and Jehovah the Spirit 
is bringing the joy to the people. This is the Trinity. God the Father sending God the Son to dwell among His people and God the Holy Spirit drawing them together as one. They are joined together. Gentiles, Jews, all joined together around the Son. What a blessing that is. Praise the Lord for the Trinity. Then, next, sing and rejoice for the perfect pattern of future prophecy in this third vision. Let's look at it. We understand what God's plan for the ages is. Let's see if God has demonstrated that for us here. Look at verse 6. Zechariah 2, verse 6. Ho, ho, I come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith the Lord. What's happening here? Verse 6, Israel is called from the dispersion. They're called back to Israel. That began in, 1940, in 1919 and then 1948. And it will continue when Jesus Christ, and be completed when Jesus Christ returns. Then, verse 7, look at what happens. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that thou dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. Flee from Babylon. What does God call this kingdom that's coming? He calls it Babylon. And what do the people do? They flee into the wilderness from Babylon. They go to Petra and they're hid there from this Babylon. That's exactly what they do. They flee from Babylon. Then look at verse 8. The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. That's the judgment of the nations that we saw in Matthew chapter 25. He'll come back and he'll judge the nations. He'll come in judgment of Israel's tormentors. Then look at verse 9. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Now look at what it says. They shall be a spoil to their servants. God gives the wealth of the nations to the Jews. How many of you have heard of people talking about the Jews controlling the banking system and the evil of the Jews controlling the world? Well, look, those anti-Semites, all those racists, you know what's going to happen? All their wealth is going to the Jews. That is awesome. God said it's going to happen. I think that's just wonderful. Then, look at verse 10a. Sing and rejoice. Abraham's children are going to rejoice. They're going to be excited. Then, look at verse 11 again. Christ reigns over all the earth from Jerusalem. He will rule from Jerusalem. Then, in verse 12, the promises are kept regarding the land and the people. Look at verse 12. And the Lord shall inherit Judah. And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at inheritance. The Lord's going to inherit Judah. His portion. Where? Where's he going to inherit it? In the Holy Land. In the Holy Land. That's the only place in the Bible you find that. And shall choose Jerusalem again. So look at what's happening. Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to gather His people from all over the world back into the Holy Land. They're going to flee from Babylon. Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to judge the nations. He's going to reclaim the land. His people will praise Him and bring Him glory. Just as the Bible says. Then look at verse 13. This knowledge brings a great hush. Look at what it says in verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord. For he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Be silent. Be quiet. Go back to that Zephaniah. Remember that just a couple of books back? We read the verse. Zephaniah 1.7. Check it out. 
Be silent. Be silent. Look at verse 7. Zephaniah 1.7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid His guests. Be silent. What happens? Revelation chapter 8. Look at it with me. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. This is after those seven seals. The seventh is the last of the seals. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Why is there silence? Back to Zechariah 2, verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for He is raised up out of His holy habitation. What's He doing? Be quiet. The Lamb, listen, who is returning as a lion is waking up. That lion is going to rise off of his throne at the right hand of God. He's going to march toward that great white horse. He's going to mount that white horse. And he's going to give the command to the rest of us to mount up and we are going to return to the earth to judge the nations and Jesus Christ will establish His righteous kingdom and will rule and reign with Him forever. Be quiet. Be quiet. Why is it all going to be quiet? Because all the hosts of heaven know what's about to happen. All the noise of the earth all the noise of people speaking what they say is truth, it's all going to be silenced by the Lamb. I mentioned to you earlier about the bumper sticker that someone told me about. It said, beware the Lamb. Be silent. He's rising up out of His holy habitation and He's coming to make His holy habitation in Jerusalem. Amen? God's plan of the ages is outlined in Zechariah chapter 2. It agrees with Isaiah. It agrees with Daniel. It agrees with Revelation. It agrees with the other prophets. It's all right there in a synopsis in one vision. This was the hope that God gave Israel, and this is the hope that He's given us as we're grafted into that vine. What a great book. How many of you think we have something to sing and rejoice about? Our great God. Thank you, Lord, so much for Your Word.